If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 188 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on July 16th, 2023. On a cloudy, muggy, disgusting July 16th of 2023, might I add, as the streak of disgusting weather... Seemingly every single weekend this summer, which has turned out to be the worst summer weather-wise that I can even think of remembering in the last bunch of years. I mean, it's just been absolutely horrible. You cannot buy a weekend where it's just good weather all throughout, at least here in New York. I I don't understand it, but the crap weekend weather here in New York continues. Anyways, guys, we just got through another two-week break. (laughs) You're on Yapping Yankees. Only... Last week was one that was against my will. It was actually, believe it or not, a sick day, which rarely ever happens on Yapping Yankees. There may be only, in the four years that I've done this, maybe, I don't know, one or two other sick days at the most in the four years I've done this. Of all the Sundays I've done, out of the 188 I've done, including today. So... It was a rarity, especially getting sick over the summer. I cannot remember the last time that I fell sick or just felt anything under the weather during the summer, even if it was just allergies. Usually the time of year for that to happen for me is always at the end of the year, like around Thanksgiving or in the month of December, mostly in December, sort of like at the end of the calendar year every year. I can't remember the last time I even felt a little bit under the weather over the summer, but here we are. (laughs) So last Sunday, I woke up early in the morning with extreme throat pain. It was awful, (laughs) really bad. And I've had my fair share of strep. I've had strep a ton of times in my life. And every single time I get sick, basically every single time, it always at least starts with throat pain, even if it's not the main focus ultimately. It usually always starts with throat pain. I don't know if that's the case with anybody else. Quite a few people I've spoken to have that same thing, where no matter what you have, it always starts with a sore throat. That's how it is with me. So... Every single time the sore throat comes in, it could be absolutely anything afterwards. Honestly, it could be anything. A regular cold, it could be COVID, it could be the flu, it could be strep, it could be allergies, anything. Anything in the world, doesn't matter. So, regardless though, the throat pain was so extreme that I legit could not go more than, I would say maybe 10 to 15 seconds straight of talking before my voice just stopped working. (laughs) And obviously... That is not conducive to doing a podcast or any sort of broadcasting whatsoever. The weird thing is that throughout this entire past week where I was a bit under the weather, other than the throat pain, and which sort of went away towards like the middle-ish of the week this past week, so it's been gone for a few days now, the throat pain. But then I've just gotten unbelievable congestion in my throat and up, and even down to my chest a little bit thanks to my extreme post-nasal drip right now. I don't know how many people experience that. It sucks. Just endless mucus, it seems like. Just blown my nose a lot and everything. And 
basically just the congestion all throughout my head and my sinuses and everything. It makes me cough a lot, and obviously a lot of mucus is coming out. TMI, I know, but I'm just trying to explain. And it's just basically, if the mucus and the coughing stopped, I'd be 100%. Because, like I was just saying before, this past week, strangely, other than the mucus and the congestion and the coughing and the sore throat earlier on, which has been gone for multiple days now, I've had my energy all throughout. As a matter of fact, I was working out this past week almost regularly. I even just did 300 push-ups last night. As a lot of you know, I'm very active and I take great pride in that. And I have managed to stay active this past week, which if you're sick enough, even if you want to, no matter how bad you want to work out, you just can't. But I was able to work out fairly well this past week, so that tells you my energy was still there. So I don't know if this was just extreme allergies or maybe some sort of a minor cold or something else. I don't know what it is. But despite my mucus and the coughing today, I am good enough to do an episode. I don't know if my voice is coming off a bit more nasally than usual over the mic. I feel a little bit nasally from in here, inside my head, (laughs) but I don't know how it's coming out through the mic. I hope I sound okay. Hopefully it's maybe even adding to the base of my voice. And I might have to take a couple of pauses and then just resume, you know, just for coughing throughout. I don't know. But I definitely didn't want to miss two weeks in a row and then be back at you after three weeks of nothingness. I really felt obligated almost to do a show today. And I just really wanted to do one also because, honestly... A lot's happened in Yankee land since the last time we spoke. It really sucks that we couldn't speak last week on the 9th because I would have liked to have really just really kept up to date with everything because a lot's happened in the last two weeks. A lot. But as far as today's show, before we go forward anymore, I want to just say a quick thing about today's show. Today's show, because of the fact that my congestion's bad and I'm just coughing a lot at times, I'm not going to be doing a regular length show today, which... Some people have even been saying, hey, listen, your episode's been really long lately. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I just talk a lot. What can I tell you? Can't shut up. But if you're one of those people who wishes that I would shorten my episodes, you might get what you want today. I'm actually cutting out the social media segment today because I'm still not 100%. And I'm not... I want to do everything I can to ensure that I don't go longer than my voice can handle. At least to the best of my ability. And last week, I could have forced an episode, but honestly... With how extreme my throat pain was and how quickly it stopped me from talking, legit took my voice away from me after like 15 seconds, it would have been an awful episode. And I want to come at you guys when I'm at least mostly good so I can give you the best episode that I can. I don't want to do an episode just for the sake of it and I suffer through it and ends up being crappy and you end up hating it anyway. What's the point? So I just figured it'd be better to take last week off. And even if I'm not quite 100% today, I'm mostly there. And I could still give you at least a respectable episode, and I still think we could have a lot of fun today, especially with how much there is to talk about, because my god, today, is there no shortage of content or what? Where to begin with all that's taken place since we spoke two Sundays ago? I guess we'll hammer out some of the biggest talking points first before getting to all the injury updates and just Yankees news overall with all the crap that's taken place. But I guess an overall team evaluation is in order. As to where they are right now, obviously the All-Star break has passed us by, so much of this past week was just off days, so that will definitely show in the weekly recap later on. Whereas opposed to talking about the last two weeks of action, it'll be more like a week to a week and a half because there are four straight days off from Monday through Thursday because of the All-Star break this past week. But even throughout the All-Star break, a lot was going on. As we know, a major change made... I wouldn't really even say major. Depends on your point of view, I guess. But a change was made nonetheless, better than nothing, in the Yankees organization. 
And I guess that's a good place to start based off the episode title, because now that we're in the second half, the true question that we can ask ourselves right now, even if we each individually think we already know the answer and can predict the future, the question that we're mainly asking ourselves now is, will the second half bring about any changes? Is anything going to change in the second half? Well, something did change, and we'll start there. The Yankees did fire their hitting coach, Dylan Lawson. And I was definitely not shy about my opinions of him for weeks on end, right up until his firing. And in the same breath, though, while I made those opinions very known about how ridiculous some of his quotes were from Volpe's batting a professional 200 and he doesn't give a damn about results as long as they're winning, which, yes, winning is what matters, but you don't give a damn about the results. It was a results-based business. It's sports. Results is what it's all about. So I made my opinions very clear, crystal clear, about how I just thought he wasn't all there. Between that and just voicing the same old crap that's spewed regularly from this front office with this organization that seems to be completely and utterly lost for some time now. So I made my opinions known of him, but at the same time, I also made it known that I do strongly believe that just getting rid of Dylan Lawson or just getting rid of Aaron Boone or just getting rid of basically any one person underneath Brian Cashman or higher is not going to cause the significant change in this organization that everybody's hoping for and expecting. So my opinion, you might be thinking, if you haven't been following me on Twitter because I've made my opinions very known on there throughout this little hiatus thanks to me being under the weather, if you have not been following me and my opinions on Twitter these last couple of weeks, well, I'll tell you what I think right now. While I do think that getting rid of Dylan Lawson is better than nothing, sometimes change for the sake of change when change is so badly needed is still good and could spark something, even if it's something extremely minute, at the same time in the grand scheme of things, I have to stick to what I said before, that I do not think that firing Dylan Lawson is going to create any significant change like we think it will. I just don't. Some evidence to support this claim is to look at what happened after Marcus Timms was fired, the last hitting coach before him. Everybody thought he was the problem. He was fired, and now, under Dylan Lawson's watch, things seem to get even worse than they already were before. This 2023 Yankee offense, for months now, is quite possibly amongst the worst Yankee offenses I've seen in my 15 years watching baseball that I've had the displeasure of watching. Absolutely miserable. So what does firing the hitting coach get you, at least as far as firing Marcus Timms? Not really much of anywhere because things managed to ultimately somehow get even worse. So my point is, I've echoed this for a long time, even before this season. If any significant change is to be made, you have to not only drop the dead weight on the roster, but even more so, you will have to make changes with the people who have true say in upper management, in the front office, i.e. Brian Cashman and people at his level around him, the brain trust and the people behind the quote-unquote process. If those people are never changed, you're not going to see significant change in this organization. They're going to continue to be run the same way that they have been run for years now, and it's going to reflect in the on-field product. 
So is it nice to see some sort of change in the Yankee organization with the firing of Dylan Lawson? Sure. It's nice. And I do happen to like his replacement. Could he spark something, Maybe even if it's just a little bit? Maybe. But is it going to be so significant to the point where the organization has run completely differently? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This will not bring about the change that this organization truly needs to get over the hump. Absolutely not. Not nearly enough. You have to look to Cashman and the people around him, the brain trust, the true brain trust of the New York Yankees organization. Not anybody in that dugout. Not even just Aaron Boone individually. I've made that more than clear to you. You get rid of just Aaron Boone, you're going to see them hire someone just like him or someone of that thought process. That's just the way the Yankees are. And now I happen to be watching today's game as we speak, and it really supports what I've continued to say, at least as of this point of the game. I don't know what's going to happen going forward. I'm pretty sure I'll still be recording by the end of this game. But the Yankee game is actually on right now at the time I'm recording. It's the bottom of the fifth inning. Garrett Cole's out there in a one nothing deficit, pitching his heart out. I think he's closing in on double-digit strikeouts in just the fifth inning. And he's only given up one run on a ball that somehow carried out to left field for a solo shot for the Rockies. But other than that, my boy's out there pitching a gem. The Yankees are out here getting traffic on the bases, but as usual, not driving anybody in. That five-run inning yesterday in the beginning of the game was fun while it lasted. But then even on Friday night, you're seeing some of the same offensive crap that we were talking about even two weeks ago. Nothing is changing. So having to do with the episode title, will anything change in the second half? Right now it hasn't. Yesterday's game, of course, you're going to have your days where the offense inevitably does a little bit better because it can't be this horrible every freaking day. But you're still going to have the vast majority of days being like Friday, being like today, where in Coors Field, they can barely do anything. Where it feels like in the stadium where they literally turn gravity down and the ball incomprehensibly carries like nowhere else, this team still can't do anything. Can you imagine if John Carlos Stanton had the weekend off or was hurt right now? Because on Friday, he was the only reason they scored even two runs all the way back in the first inning on his two-run homer at the start of the game, where the Yankee offense looked like they were planning on starting the second half, completely flipping things around, only to go back to being an absolute collection of corpses right after that. And then that beginning yesterday, Giancarlo was a big reason for it with a three-run shot. This weekend, they would have scored three runs coming into today's game the entire weekend in Coors Field if not for a recently heated up Giancarlo Stanton. How about we talk about how they've been without Judge since we've spoken last time? Well, not much has changed there either. So this change question, (laughs) on the whole, I'm of the belief ever since the change happened with Dylan Lawson that it's not going to change anything significant. It's not going to make the team infinitely better than they were before, and they still are what they are without judging. Guess what? That's exactly right. Because the Yankees are now 15-18 and without Aaron Judge. Not much has changed. There's still three games under 500, still an under 500 team, exactly three games like the last two times we spoke without him. 
past three episodes now, including this one, they have been exactly three games under 500. So ultimately, every time we speak, they have made no progress. Now, you could be a half-glass full kind of a person to say, well, they haven't really regressed much either then. But I don't understand how you can defend that when they're still an under 500 team without him. And somehow, I guess this is the people that just align with the Yankees front office, you know, because they have a lot in common as far as denying reality. These people coming out and saying, well, it still can't be possible, surely, that one person is that important to any single team. Well, you can go on believing that if you want, but you'd be wrong. And it's okay to be wrong, but you're wrong. Because you can look at the Yankees' numbers offensively and their overall record with Judge and without him. And the numbers are staring you right in the face. Whether or not you want to accept them and acknowledge them is totally up to you. If you want to be wrong, that's your choice. But this team has proven that without Aaron Judge, they continue to be nothing. And unless a big splash is made at the deadline, two big names we've all heard ad nauseum, especially thanks to Buster Olney, talking about the Yankees being linked to Shohei Otani, but the two big names we've heard of, Soto and Otani, which... I don't think either is happening. We'll get to that a bit later, a little bit more, and my thoughts on the upcoming trade deadline as well. But if no big splash is made at the deadline to even slightly try to cover up the massive void left by Aaron Judge's injury, I'm just going to continue to stick to what I've said for weeks now. We can go three weeks without speaking. It's probably still going to be the same thing. I don't think this team goes absolutely anywhere. And yes, I do include not making the playoffs in this statement. If Aaron Judge is not back by the start or the middle of August, this team's not going anywhere, guys. It's not. They will continue to be a below-average team. They will continue to do nothing offensively, even with the change of hitting coach. And we're just going to keep seeing more of the same. You'll have your outlier days out there where the offense blows up. It's inevitable. Some days the the opposing pitcher's not going to have their stuff. Some days the offense suddenly remembers how to hit. That's just part of the long season. But I don't see this team going on any sort of significant run where they make any sort of miraculous comeback if Aaron Judge is not a part of it. If Aaron Judge is a part of it, you got a lot of my confidence back. But without him, how much evidence do you need? We've had well over a month of evidence now of what this team is without Aaron Judge. Nearly a month and a half's worth. Just about a month and a half's worth. How much do you need? There's been a mix of good and bad throughout all of it. Mostly bad, particularly offensively, of course, but on the whole, they're just not good without him. You want to look for optimistic points of view? You can look at the bullpen. The bullpen continues to be absolutely terrific. The starting rotation, more often than not, they have been very solid. But the offense continues to be the biggest problem, and you cannot win baseball games if you don't score runs. You don't need me here to tell you that. It's just very obvious if you just look and watch the way the games are being played. I was just talking about the Yankees' pitiful gameplay outside of yesterday in Coors Field this weekend. If not for Giancarlo Stanton, they would have only scored actually even less because it actually escaped me than the first inning of yesterday's game. He also had a ground ball that drove in a run, drove in Glaber Torres. So... The Yankees would have only put up two runs yesterday. So the entire weekend, that's 18 innings of baseball, plus they're in the sixth inning right now in today's game, plus five done right now, so 23 innings. They would have only scored two runs 
in Coors Field. Coors Field! As we stand right now on the top of the sixth of today's game here on Sunday, July 16th, with Anthony Rizzo at the plate in the top of the sixth, who has, by the way, continued to be an absolute freaking nightmare. Even in today's game earlier, bases loaded, two outs, swung at ball four multiple times, 3-2 count, hits a lazy fly ball to right field, another spoiled chance for this pitiful Yankee offense. Now we just hit a line drive right to right field, still out. He has not hit a home run in over 40 games. I made one of the safest bets on Twitter before when the bases were loaded. I'm like, I'll buy a Rizzo jersey if he hits a Grand Slam right there. I posted it right on Twitter. And if you ever want a guaranteed bet, if you ever want to make a guaranteed bet where you are 100% guaranteed at this very moment to save your money, just make that bet. Anything involving Anthony Rizzo hitting a home run. And this is coming from someone who absolutely loves Anthony Rizzo, mind you. But you cannot sugarcoat anything here if you're at all a fair fan. Anthony Rizzo looks like his career is over. It is baffling to me. I don't know if it's the Tatis Jr. situation since he has not been right since that play in particularly. Or if it's just truly the fact that he is done, but he looks completely and utterly washed. It's come to the point now where he is legitimately an automatic out. I just have no faith in him. And that's really heartbreaking. When the time came, when it was to sign him back or to look for another first baseman, if you remember, I was for Matt Olson, but I was very happy when they brought Anthony Rizzo back too. I was fine with either one, but I was also a big Olsen candidate. If you don't believe me, try to find that time period and try to find the Yapping Yankees episode on YouTube or any of the other platforms it's available on where in that time period I did an episode. I was so pro Olsen, but I was also pro Rizzo. So I'm not going to make it seem like I was totally anti-Rizzo or anything. I'm true to my takes. I stick to them. I'm proud of my takes and opinions, and I stand by them no matter how awful or great they were. I was pro both, but especially Olsen. I want an Olsen bad. But it's really tough right now seeing that we have no faith in Anthony Rizzo. And you see what Matt Olsen and other first basemen around the game are doing that the Yankees could have had a chance at, but they didn't get. It sucks to watch, guys. Anthony Rizzo is dreadful. I mean, if you want to go up and down the lineup right now, I got to give it to Glaber, to be honest, because Glaber has come out really swinging, especially here in the second half, but lately he's been hot again. John Carlos Stanton's been blazing hot, as I said before. He's hitting home runs like there's no tomorrow. Multiple games in a row now with home runs, except for today as of now, so far, obviously, but he's been looking fantastic again. Took long enough. Because even I had to get on my boy. I love Stanton to death as well, but I had to get on him because he was doing less than nothing. Absolutely lost. But now, he seems to have found his stride, which is awesome because we know the potential that he has if he's on the money. He can carry almost any team in baseball that needs him. So that's awesome to see. Anthony Rizzo, as I said, complete and utter nightmare. Josh Donaldson, we'll get to him in a bit because there's more news on him. DJ has woken up a bit more of late in the last few games, but he's still got a long way to go, DJ LeMahieu, but you got to start somewhere. Bader's really, he's he's gotten to sleep a bit here. He's up to bat right now, actually, ironically enough, because <laughs> DJ just got on, and Bader's up 0-2, and he just got a base hit to right field. How do you like that? So, how do you like that, Susan? So, Bader just got a hit, but on the whole, he's been a bit quieter lately, but because of everything he was doing before, it's really tough to get on Bader. Volpe's gone... 
quite a bit again, but obviously the last time we spoke, he was still in the middle of an absolute tear all the way through the All-Star break, really, but he's been he's been a little quieter lately, and he was, right before the All-Star break, he was experiencing some bad luck where he was hitting the ball really hard, but right at people, so I know there are plenty of Yankee fans out there because of that little cold streak where he was hitting it right at people, they were still willing to give up on Volpe, They're like, oh, with the deadline, you give him away for this person and that person. I want Volpe to keep on learning here, man. He's shown some really promising flashes in just his rookie year. So I'm holding on to him personally. I'm I'm still waiting patiently for his next hot streak because he did raise his stats decently, and I'm looking forward to the next time he heats up because there's been a noticeable difference. There has been. So, And it's really funny because I heard Aaron Boone on another John Boy interview late recently, and uh, they were talking about the whole chicken parm thing in Austin Wells and how Volpe and Wells sitting down and analyzing his swing and his stance and their analyzing of it resulting in Volpe improving vastly, they they basically asked Aaron more or less if, you know, like, how did they do that? But then nobody on the team really was able to spot that problem. And, you know, Boone just basically basically reiterated how everybody in the organization is constantly looking at film and analyzing things and always on top of everything, like making it sound like they all they do is look at film and just looking things over every hour of every single day. And that worries me even more because you have an organization that's apparently doing that, yet they still couldn't fix Volpe. He had to meet with Austin Wells and have chicken parmesan. I don't know. That's a little weird to me. Oh my goodness, IKF just got to hit up the middle. And DJ's going to score. They they threw the ball away. The Rockies threw the ball away. Bader's going to come home to score two. And IKF, I think he's going to make it to third. <laughs> he did. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I'm not even editing that out. <laughs> that was funny. All right, so IKF got a hit. There's got to be an error somewhere there. Yeah, the third baseman. Horrible throw. He bounced it multiple times into the right field hole. Bounced all the way into right field. That allowed Bader to come home two on top of DJ. And it made IKF go all the way, all the way to third. So the Yankees now lead two to one. And IKF's at third base with one out. And Volpe's up right now. That was funny. Wow. That was a good moment to be able to react to in real time here on the podcast. Wow, that was funny. <laughs> See, this is what should be happening. You're facing an awful team. Like today, even on the pregame, they're talking about the Rockies starter, Chase Anderson. Basically, out of all the starting pitchers in baseball, the 110 who have a minimum of 40 innings pitched, Chase Anderson was 109th or in dead last in almost every pitching category. And through five innings, he pitched a shutout. <laughs> You can't make it up. This is the Yankee offense. Every time you see, oh, they're facing one of the worst pitchers anybody's ever seen. They just throw up zeros against the Yankees. Complete donuts every inning. <laughs> uh, at least they broke through here in the sixth inning. Uh, God almighty. Tell you, this is why this this offense, it's impossible to watch. I mean, it's a good thing the Rockies are so bad. Because they were able to get the second run there and have IKF go all the way to third. And maybe Volpe can get him in at, on at least like a sack fly or something right now. But you should be beating these teams convincingly regardless. This is the Rockies. You got you to gotta beat the bad teams. That's part of the puzzle, guys. 
That's part of it. A lot of people crap on teams for saying, oh, they only face bad teams lately, so you got to take that into account too. Maybe you could take that at least a bit into account, but at the same time, that's that's part of the game. you got to beat the bad teams. I mean, you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't there. We've spoken about this before. If you beat the bad teams, well, people are going to discredit you because like, oh, you should do that. But if you lose to the bad teams, like, oh, you suck, you lost to that team, they they have over 100 losses here, what the hell's wrong with their team, they suck. So you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Oh, Volpe just hit a ground ball at the infield in, and the shortstop bobbled it. And IKF was running on contact, it looked like. So IKF scores, they got Volpe at first. But, yeah, so it's 3-1 Yankees now. They're probably going to score that in error. I'd be surprised if they didn't. But, yeah, so it's 3-1 now. Yankees are ahead. At least that means that Garrett Cole's got a lead. So hopefully if he could hold it down, he doesn't get any undeserved loss. He doesn't need another one of those. So let's see there. Oh, they just they just scored it an RBI ground out. Okay, so Volpe gets the RBI, even though the shortstop bobbled, and unless that call is changed later. But regardless, it is 3-1 Yankees now. Wow, wild inning. Now Oswaldo's up. He hasn't really gotten much playing time, but when he's in there, I guess he does all he can. That's not really saying too much. IKF, I mean, he's continued to do what he can in the utility role. Not bad. And uh, Trevino, I mean, he does his thing defensively for the most part. That's what he's best known for. At the plate, as we've spoken about many a time, he's really reverted back to his offensive numbers that he had with the Rangers. And uh, you have Hagee, you know, Higgy's not too great defensively, doesn't provide you too much offensively except for the occasional pop once in a while when the planets happen to line up, but but overall, the Yankee offense, you know, they don't really do much. They don't do much of anything. They're very fortunate that just happened with the Rockies right now, but hey, I'll take it however I can get it. That's how you got to be when you have a bottom-of-the-barrel offense with an almost $300 million payroll. And you have an offense that could barely even get by against even some of the worst of teams in baseball. You got to take it however you can get it. But again, the Yankees did fire Dylan Lawson, speaking of the offense. And I didn't even mention his replacement yet amongst all the spieling I've done so far. But his replacement is actually Sean Casey, who's been on Major League Baseball Network, MLB Network, for years as an analyst. I actually like Sean. He had a pretty good career in his playing days. He hasn't been a coach as of yet, so this is his first experience doing that. I really like his enthusiasm. I like how he claims that he's going to bring a mix of older school hitting with new age hitting with the stats and and the numbers that do play a part in the sport, whether you like it or not. And I think that could be a good approach because I kind of like how a, a good guy to really compare to that whenever they speak about another aspect of baseball being pitching is David Cohn. David Cohn, as an analyst, is really good at presenting both an old-school and a new-school approach to pitching. And the way that Sean Casey was making it sound like he was going to try to do things was that he was going to do a very similar thing with the offense, which I'm a fan of. Do I think it'll change too much? As I said before, probably not, because the Yankee organization, particularly the front office, has their thought process and their overall, quote-unquote, process that they are so, so intent on just not deviating from, and they want things done the way that they want things done. And I don't think just Sean Casey alone is enough to change that approach. So while I do like the fact that there was some sort of change, do I think it's going to bring about significant change to change the Yankees' need? No, I do not. 
I do not. Because I also think a lot of the underperforming, a lot of the fault of it goes to the players as well, inevitably. Because there are a lot of players here, a lot of veterans who know how to hit. They've known how to hit for years, and they just haven't done the jobs. So, a lot of the blame falls on them too. Let's not forget about that. But the Yankees' front office and the Yankees' brain trust also has their way of doing things and their way of thinking about things. And they refuse to deviate from that path. And that's been a big reason as to why they can't make it to their ultimate goal for so many years now. And I'm going to stick by that because the evidence is right in front of us. I mean, it comes to the point where they just really, they'll just say anything. They don't even really have to give the media a quote that contains valid information. Like, for example, I even included this in my show notes today because when I heard him say this a while back, I just couldn't help myself but include it in today's show and have to mention it at some point. Speaking of how the Yankees organization front office, they will just say completely incorrect things just to back up their way of thinking. I mean, before the All-Star break, Aaron Boone was even saying at one point that he didn't think that Glaber Torres, amidst his really lackadaisical gameplay at second base of late, especially before the break, when he was making a lot of just, a lot of mistakes that really just made it seem like his focus wasn't there at all. And Boone went to the media and had the gall to say that he didn't think that Glaber Torres has made an outlandish amount of errors as he led all of second basemen in the league in them. And right before the break, when the Yankees lost that brutal game, that disgraceful, inexcusable loss against the Cubs to end the first half before the All-Star break, because Boone thought it smart to take out Domingo Herman when Herman had 74 pitches and only gave up one hit through six innings. Just because he walked the leadoff guy, he thought it smart to take him out. And his reasoning for that, even though I still would have disagreed with this, but if you want to use the case that, oh, you know, I'm turning to the best bullpen in baseball, which, yes, factually, the Yankee bullpen still is. And I said even before, if you want to look at anything optimistically, there's a big one right there, how great the bullpen is. So even if, even if I still wouldn't have fully agreed with this point, I would have at least understood it as you using that as evidence as to why you would ridiculously take Herman out that early. Oh, I'm turning to the best bullpen in baseball. Okay. Even if I still think that Herman didn't deserve to be yanked out of the game that soon, and that quickly and that abruptly, I guess I could understand. But he didn't even use that reasoning. Boone's reasoning for taking him out of the game was that he wanted to finish Domingo's first half on a high note. So now we're prioritizing players' confidence and them finishing on a high note over securing a win, a needed win against a team that you have to beat to end things before the All-Star break? I mean, these are just a couple of things of the many things that get spewed by the man who echoes the sentiments of the front office of the Yankees, being Aaron Boone. He is their voice. He's the voice of the front office that just gets off on gaslighting the fans. 
saying that he hasn't made an outlandish amount of errors at second base, Glaber Torres. As he was leading, and I'm pretty sure he still does, leading the American League second baseman in errors. Prioritizing a player's feelings over getting a win. Having them finish on a high note. Well, how do you think Domingo felt when he took a no decision after pitching a gym? I don't think that's a very high note. It's for reasons like these and so many others that we've spoken about all season long and even plenty of seasons prior to this. We all know it. I don't have to tell you. But it's reasons like this why the fans get so angry with this front office and this organization. Like, we know what we see. We have the numbers in front of us. Stop saying otherwise. As if we don't have functioning eyeballs or the ability to comprehend basic statistics. Stop saying blatantly false things. And this is why, like on the subject of before, when talking about the true change that would need to happen for significant things to be altered in this organization in a better way. This is why things like this, it's hard to imagine them ever winning with this front office. They simply just deny reality far too often. That's why it's hard to imagine this team winning anything anytime soon. Along with the fact of how much they've proven that they just are not a team without Aaron Judge. Just a bunch of different things. So that goes back to what we started with. Am I happy that Dylan Lawson is gone? Yes, because I thought that he himself was an idiot. But at the same time, and it's nothing against Sean Casey. Again, I like what he brings. I like his enthusiasm. I like his mindset. But is he alone the true change that this organization needs? No, he's not. Things would have to change in the front office with Brian Cashman himself or those immediately around him. The players on the field, the veterans who are expected to carry the team in Judge's absence need to do their job. As we've spoken about for weeks now, that's been the main constant. And the deadline is a big talking point as well. Because what changes are they willing to make when it comes down to it? To truly fix things and try to at least partially fill the void of the irreplaceable Aaron Judge, at least until he's to return. And there is some pretty good news on Aaron Judge of late, and I'll get to that in a bit, particularly when we get to Yankees news and injury updates and all that stuff. But definitely the Sean Casey hiring and the Dylan Lawson firing and the continuation of the Yankees front office spewing a bunch of crap. My views on whether the change at hitting coach will truly change things or not. Has anything changed of late? That's really a big spiel, guys, and it took almost 40 minutes as per usual. <laughs> but, so really, do I do I really think that much has changed? I really don't. Do I think much will change going forward? I... Unless Aaron Judge is back, I really don't. Or unless the Yankees make the splash of splashes at the trade deadline 
And then on top of that, you get Aaron Judge back. I just really don't. I just really, really don't. And as of right now, it is July 16th. And if you look at the standings, the Yankees, if they lose today, they'll be back in last place as they were before last night's action. They were tied for last with the Red Sox, but certain uh, statistics had them in dead last. If they win today, then they still stay one game above them in fourth. And they will be two games behind Toronto for third. They'll be about (laughs) seven and a half or eight games behind Baltimore for second. And then Baltimore's a game and a half behind Tampa Bay as of right now. And Tampa's still in first with a 60-35 record. And a couple of weeks ago, a lot of the AL East was... A lot of them were losing quite a bit. Tampa Bay was not playing good baseball. Even right now, three of their last ten, they've won. That's it. But now, every single team in the East, except for the Yankees and Red Sox, the Red Sox just getting back in the win column today, the Blue Jays are on a four-game winning streak, the O's are on an eight-game winning streak, and the Rays have now won three in a row. And I'm just checking to confirm right now. The O's did beat the Marlins today. The Blue Jays beat the D-backs. And the Red Sox won Tampa Bay. They're losing to the Royals, so they will actually lose today. Because I'm not just saying that because I don't believe in them. They're down 8-4, to four, and they're down to their last out in the top of the ninth. So, all right, so the Rays might be the only team in the East that don't win today. <laughs> so there's that, I guess. But there was a point where, where about two, three weeks ago, a lot of the East, they were doing a lot of losing. And the Yankees just didn't take advantage of that. And it's reasons like this why they're just not going to go anywhere without Aaron Judge. They just don't have a killer instinct. And again, need I remind you, they're an under 500 team without him. And the Rays just lost just now. So, But yeah, so the Yankees are just fighting to stay out of the basement. And yes, granted, in other divisions, they'd be in first or battling for first, yes, but the Yankees don't play in other divisions. They unfortunately play in the toughest division in baseball in the American League East. This is the situation they're in, and if you want to have wild card hope, or they're, they're still even out of that. Because the Astros, as of today, are the ones directly over them, but they play tonight. They're facing the Angels. So if the Angels manage to pull out a victory against the Astros, then the Yankees and Astros could be tied for the final wild card as of tonight, going into tomorrow. But as of now, the Yankees currently, as of this very moment that I'm recording, around 5 p.m. on Sunday, July 16th, they have been out of a playoff spot since the end of the weekend against the Cubs when they were losing games that they absolutely could not have afforded to lose. This is the position they put themselves in, and this is the position that they're going to have to decide whether or not they have it in them to fight out of. And part of that puzzle is, again, defeating teams like the Rockies this weekend. Ooh, I thought Giancarlo just got a hold of one. Oh, I thought he hit another home run. Ah, almost got it. Thought especially in course field it would have carried, but it didn't. Deep fly ball to right center field. But yeah, Stanton homered Friday, yesterday. He homered twice against the Cubs on Saturday the 8th, I believe it was. So he's hit quite a bit of home runs of late. Like I said, he's heated up. So I thought I thought that one might have carried a bit, but it didn't. Now Rizzo's up. Oh boy, it's two and zero on him. Now it's two and one. I doubt anything will happen with him. 
But again, another score check in real time here, even though you already know the result by the time you're listening to this episode later tonight, is the Yankees are up 3-1. to one. There's two outs and nobody on in the top of the seventh. Rizzo's up right now with now a 3-1 count. Yes, 3-1. So we'll see if he can do anything again. 40-plus games, Anthony Rizzo. No home runs. And I do also want to say some other stats for him in the last 40 games. This is since May 21st, around the time that everything happened with Fernando Tatis Jr. He's batting 201. Again, not a single home run. On base percentage under 300, so he's not even really getting on base. And a 243 slugging percentage. Not having any home runs definitely is not going to help that statistic, of course. But it just goes to show you. And he just struck out now. Unfreaking believable. <laughs> it just goes to show you how I, this is probably the worst two month stretch of Anthony Rizzo's career. If there are any Cubs fans who know out there of one that was worse at any point, be sure to let me know. But I doubt that there have been any worse than this. These last two months for Anthony Rizzo are some of the worst of a lot of baseball players I've watched in this uniform. I never thought, especially after he was throughout all of April and most of May, looking like he was about to have a career year in his early mid-30s when he should start to decline. Well, he has. I never thought it would have gotten anywhere near this bad, let alone this bad. It's downright incredible, and not in a good way, what has happened to Anthony Rizzo. So Cole should be coming out for another inning. Actually, probably not. He's at 102 pitches. I didn't even realize that. Through six innings. Yeah, so the Yankees are probably going to go to the pen if I had to imagine. He has 11 strikeouts. Only allowed two hits today. One of them on a, on a ball that, again, I have no idea how it managed to carry out of there. I know it's Coors Field, but it still looked like nothing more than maybe just over the left fielder's head being IKF today. But just managed to carry out right over the wall. No idea. He only walked one. He deserves the win today. Pitched a very nice game. So yeah, that's the overall outlook on the Yankees team, I suppose, guys. Before we get to news, I don't really have much more to say. I think I hit on just about everything outside of news, which we'll get to in a second. So I guess we'll move on to that. But just a lot of the same crap. Even today. Like, yeah, IKF got a hit in a moment that was big, and it would have driven home at least DJ. But do the Yankees score beyond that if the ball's not thrown away? And then on Volpe's ground ball, the infield in the shortstop bobbles the ball and gives IKF time to score when he's running on contact. If he doesn't bobble the ball, can that happen? So a lot of it was because the Rockies are bad. And yes, not discounting it because that's part of the game. Teams make mistakes and the opposition scores based off of it. That's part of baseball. Errors are made and other teams take advantage. But... Even today, it's not like the offense has done anything spectacular at all. Just like on Friday, where after the beginning of the game, it looked like they were going to go on an absolute tear, and then they just died again. A lot of the same of what we saw before the break. A lot of the same. And it's going on for far too long now, guys. It's mid-July, for crying out loud. Mid-July! I can't believe it any more than you can't. But time continues to fly and pass us by. And yet we keep on seeing a lot of the same. So, 
And the only hope really is that with a new person in that dugout, at least, that, you know, Sean Casey will bring that new energy of his and more of a balanced approach to things. But I don't have too much faith based off how, how the front office does things. I just don't. If the Yankees manage to win this game and take the series, good, because the Yankees need to take series. They don't do nearly enough of that anymore for some time now. And every journey starts with a single step. I get it. But they are going to face the Angels, who are under 500 before they take action tonight. Yeah, but they have some good hitting pieces, and if the pitching can't keep them under control, it's going to get ugly, because the offense, we know that no matter who they face, <laughs> they're going to make them look good. So, it's hard to be confident with them facing just about any team right now, but they do have a softer schedule for some time coming up right now, up until they see Baltimore at the very end of the month in the last couple of days of July. Can they take advantage of it? It's hard to have faith, but who knows? They could start with winning a series here in Colorado right now like they should, but who knows? So let's move on to some Yankees news. First off, I guess I should start off with, since we did not get to speak before the All-Star break, that Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge got votes to go to the All-Star game. Aaron Judge obviously being hurt and decided to, on top of that, take more time to rest and rehab with his injury, so he did not make the trip out to Seattle, which was, of course, where the All-Star game was held this year, as well as the Home Run Derby, obviously. So he did not make the trip, but he did get the vote. So good for Aaron Judge, deserved. And I had a lot of people tell me, oh, you know, he's missed a lot of time due to injury. Well, his statistics were still pretty spectacular when he did play in the first half. A lot more spectacular than a lot of guys who played the entire first half at that. And when you consider that somehow, in a lot of ways, he was even slightly ahead of his 2022 pace, and we all know the season he had last year, with when he was about 47 or so games in to the first half of this year, when you see that, then you really come to terms with the fact that Aaron Judge does deserve an all-star vote, whether you like it or not. <laughs> so, then also, the other, only other Yankee, I should say, that got an all-star game vote was Garrett Cole. And Garrett actually got to start the game, which was awesome to watch. Gave up two hard and long hits that were fortunately outs, ultimately. Worked a really quick 1-2-3 first inning. Had a great time. His wife, Amy, and both of his children were both there watching. It was awesome seeing them on the red carpet, taking pictures together. And he was really the main representative of the Yankees. They had at least like six guys last year, and the only representative of the Yankees this year was Garrett Cole. And again, Judge did get the vote, but... Because he's hurt and he decided to rest in rehab, and I don't blame him there, he did not make the trip, so Garrett Cole, in person, was the only Yankee there. And he was also the first Yankee to start the All-Star game in over 20 years since Roger Clemens did it in 2001. And here we are, 22 years later, Garrett Cole representing the Yankees in the All-Star game, starting the game for the American League, and throwing a 1-2-3, fun, eventful first inning. <laughs> so congratulations to the both of them awesome to see, and he definitely did deserve it, because if you look at how Garrett Cole was before then, not even including today's gem of six innings of one-run ball, and the only run being given up was on a ball that somehow carried out of Coors Field, but who's surprised? In 17 starts prior to this one, Cole allowed three runs or fewer 14 times, and in a time period where the Yankee bullpen was often gassed out, when you want to talk about the need for the starting rotation, giving a lot of innings, well, Garrett was quite literally the definition of that because he only didn't go at least five innings one time. That's it. The game where he went four and two-thirds and really just could not find his groove. 
So he always gave his length. Even today, he pitched at least six innings. That's good enough. He's kept the home runs more in check this year, especially than he did last year. So if you take this all into consideration, and the fact that he's on pace as long as the bullpen holds it down, maybe the offense could get some insurance runs here. That would always be nice. But if the win is secured here, that'd be his 10th win as well. ERA in the 270s, taking everything I just said into account as well. I would definitely say he's more than deserving of getting the vote and starting this game because he's having amongst the best seasons of just about any American League starter. And there are others out there like Sonny Gray and prior to his injury, Shane McClanahan, of course, and Nathan Evaldi's doing just about the same as Cole, having a very nice season as well. So there are other guys. Yeah, sure. I'm not going to deny that. But if you think that Cole didn't deserve this, then you're also just not being fair to him or you just feel a certain way about him personally that is clouding your judgment because objectively he deserved it, whether you like it or not. So congratulations to him, and even though he wasn't there, congratulations to Judge for getting the vote as well. So the All-Star game passed us by, and obviously the home run derby was a lot of fun. I was a little annoyed that Vlad Guerrero Jr. won it because I'm not the biggest fan of his. I think he has a very big mouth, and not too much to back that up, especially this year in particularly. But anyways, I don't want to be a complete jerk, so I guess I'll congratulate him for winning. And the All-Star game, well, interestingly enough, we saw something that we haven't seen in over 10 years because it never happens, basically, and that was the National League, by the skin of their teeth, actually getting a victory. (laughs) They have not won since 2012. A lot of firsts since 2012. First perfect game for Domingo Herman. First perfect game since 2012. And now, for the first time since 2012, the National League has won a freaking All-Star game because we know the American League has made quite the habit of winning that quite literally every single year. So... I didn't really watch too much of the All-Star game, though, because even though back then when it determined who had home field for the World Series, even though I didn't agree with that, it still did give the game some meaning to me and encouraged me to watch it. But now, even though I agree with their current rules in place with just whichever team has the better record gets home field, I do agree with that. But on the other hand... It also took all of the meaning away from the All-Star game on top of the fact that it's just mainly a popularity contest as far as the voting's concerned. That also made me less motivated to watch the All-Star game itself. So, goes both ways, I guess. But, I barely watched any of the All-Star game. I only watched mainly when Cole pitched and then maybe... Yeah, I watched the end when Kimbrell closed it out because it was, it was an eventful ninth inning, especially when it at one point came down to uh, Julio Rodriguez in front of his home crowd. That was cool. So I did watch that. And a little bit of action in the middle. But that's that's really it. I didn't watch much of it. I watched the entire derby because I really love the home run derby. I just think it's fun. I always have. And the All-Star game has come and went now, guys. So here we are on to, as far as the All-Star break is concerned, the second half of the year. And the next big thing coming up, obviously, if you had to say, obviously has to be the trade deadline. Which is only a smidge more than two weeks away. August 1st, to be exact. So it is closing in, and the discussion will continue to intensify as it does get closer. Next week, there'll probably be more increased trade deadline discussion than there will be today. Obviously, the biggest talking points are Soto and Otani, people wondering if the Angels or Padres would part with either, if the Angels would with Otani, and if Soto would with the Padres. 
Jeter, obviously, he's now with the Fox Sports crew, which is awesome. I love seeing him on TV with A-Rod and Poppy and all that. It's an interesting crew, and Kevin Burkhart and all of them. But he was, he had a lot of attention drawn to him because when he was around that table talking with the rest of them, he did say that if the Padres start off slow here heading up to the trade deadline, that the Yankees should really get in on Juan Soto. I'm inclined to agree with him, but will it happen realistically? I don't really think so. It's not really the route that the Yankees have gone much in the last couple of years as far as the trade deadline. Not their really, not their typical behavior, I should say. And as far as Otani, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, if you're willing to get him and, and the amount that you'd have to give away for him, of course, and what teams could possibly seek in return, certain amount of top 100 prospects or major league ready or just straight up major league proven players and... Would you be willing to extend him afterwards because otherwise he'll just be a rental? It's just the discussion is swirling, of course. And then you have your under-the-radar guys that some other Yankee people are talking about, like Cody Bellinger or Heimer Candelario or Lane Thomas on the Nationals. Like there, You have your name circulating around. Obviously, you got some people talking about Nolan Arenado, too, despite him saying he wants to stay in St. Louis. I don't know. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot of names being thrown around, as it is every year. That's the way it is every year, and that's what makes it exciting. And we'll continue to talk about it as time goes along. But as far as what the Yankees are going to be willing to do, it's tough to tell right now. It's tough to read them. I might do a social media segment either next week or the week after that, right before the deadline, just talking about the deadline and what we all think the Yankees are going to do. Because as it gets closer, obviously, it'll get even hotter with the discussion. Especially with how the Yankees may or may not be doing in the next week or two. We'll see how they do against these bad teams coming up. Especially after the Angels, I believe they have the Royals. It's been a while since I looked at the Yankees' schedule. Yeah, the Royals. I was right. Wow. can't believe I remembered that. And afterwards, they have the Mets for a couple of games again. And then that's when the Orioles happen at the very end of July after that. So, they have a bit of a break here as far as... Tough teams, but again, with the way they play, it's tough to have confidence regardless of who they're facing. Start with winning the series with this win today in Colorado. That's what I'm, I keep on saying. So, lots going on there, and especially with the trade deadline being the next big thing on the calendar now, that'll continue to happen as the weeks go along. And now the next thing I'm going to talk about, something that happened, I believe was a little over a week ago, was... <sighs> something else I was really hoping that we would be taking a permanent break with when it comes to Yankee players, or just players in general, because I'm tired of hearing about things like this in general because it's so horrible to even talk about. And it's just, like, inhumane. But especially with the Yankees, they're starting to gain quite a reputation with these guys, not for nothing. I'm just going to be really honest. Jimmy Cordero, Yankee reliever, hard-throwing right-hander. You know, I, I thought he came through big at times, but of all of the relievers, I can I considered him to be towards the bottom echelon of the Yankee bullpen, I guess. Even though he still wasn't that, he wasn't brutal, but he just had a lot of control problems, didn't like to throw strikes. But he wasn't absolutely, like, garbage. I, I've seen many more Yankee relievers in the past few years who have been far worse. But he wasn't, he wasn't great, by any means. <laughs> but regardless of his on-field skill, he was suspended for the rest of the season, for violating Major League Baseball's joint domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse policy. So, another 
player in general, but in particularly a Yankee player, just leading by horrible example, nauseating example in his personal life, and rightfully getting punished for it, he's gone for the rest of the year. Because, I don't know, I don't know what it is with these guys or what problems they have in their personal life, I don't know, I don't pretend to know, and I don't want to know. All I know is that this behavior needs to stop. It needs to stop. If they could figure out why and fix it, and maybe they forgive him or whatnot, I guess it's a similar thing with Herman. then you tackle that and you see what comes of it. But as of just hearing about this sort of a thing, it just continues to be as disturbing as ever, as exhausting as ever, because... People like me or many of you listening out there who can't even think about even having the thought of doing that cross your mind. It's just, it's so discouraging to hear about how this still happens in 2023. How people just can't seem to keep their hands off of each other and doing these unspeakably horrible things. So I hope that every single time this happens, I say I hope it's the last example of anything in this realm in which we have to hear something like this. I doubt it is, unfortunately, because there are so many messed up people out there. For whatever reason it is, I'm not sure. I don't know. It's just horrible to hear about, and I just wish it would end. I don't really have much more to say about it, because there's... It's a horrible situation. Unless you're in the situation personally, what more can you really add? I mean, you want the person to get punished. If they could be redeemed and they find help, great, I guess. But where are the core issues? What's causing them to do something like this anyway? It's freaking horrible. So, we'll see what comes of Jimmy Cordero and his playing career and life going forward. But as of this moment right now, he's suspended for the rest of the 2023 season as he deserves to be. And depending on what it is he actually did, some may even argue that it might even deserve to be longer than that. So, that's that. Jimmy Cordero gone, and Davey Garcia was recalled to take his spot on the roster at the time. So between this and all the All-Star Game stuff, and Dylan Lawson, and Sean Casey, and how the team's been doing, how much change has happened since the last time we spoke, how much change is happening right now, how much change we expect to happen going forward. I'd say we have mostly covered basically all of it, and we'll continue to cover it, obviously, going forward as the season continues on. Injury news. As far as newer injuries that have taken place since the last time we spoke, and injury updates on people who have been hurt since before the last time we spoke, and now we have more information on them. And thereby, there could be some roster moves mixed in there as well. Well, I've got all of it for you, my friends. And since it's been a couple of weeks since we spoke, and I'm going to give you a grand old big injury update on just about everyone of importance on the injured list right now. How does that sound? Just for those a bit out of touch with what the deal is with the I.O. right now. But actually... I look over at my TV right now at the Yankee game on, and there's actually a big moment for the Rockies right now. First and second one out against Tommy Canely, and Chris Bryant is up. That's good. <laughs> He's got him down one and two in the count, fortunately. Tommy Canely actually, after 16 innings, pretty much, 
of scoreless baseball just allowed his first run yesterday. Yesterday. It took him that long to allow one run. (laughs) And it was on a double play ball at that. He was in a big jam, and he managed to only allow one run on a double play ball, so it could have been much worse. But he limited the damage to just one. And so he finally has an ERA above zero. (laughs) After all this time that has passed since his return from his bicep tendonitis injury, it's just incredible. Incredible what he's continued to do, but he's in a bit of a jam right now. He just got Chris Bryant to fly out to center field, so now there's two outs, first and second. I have to imagine he, probably like every single pitcher who's ever lived, hates pitching in this ballpark because if you give up even a fly ball, there's a chance it gets out and really inflates your ERA. So probably not anything any pitcher wants to deal with. <laughs> he's got a 1-1 count now. Oh, gosh. Please get out of this. I really don't need the bullpen. The best part of the team blowing this game and having another series loss and a crushing defeat against an awful baseball team. It's bad enough this offense doesn't score. 1-1. One, one, strike 1-2. One and two. Beautiful pitch. I think that was actually a fastball. I don't think that was a changeup. Let me see that again. They're showing replay. Yep, that was definitely a fastball. All right, 1-2. It's a big moment. The pitch. I feel like I'm play-by-play commentating. Oh, God. Slow ground ball to third. Hurry up. Oh, God. DJ's barehanding it. No play. No play. (sighs) Base is loaded. God help us. Oh, gosh. Canely needed... He, he induced a very weak ground ball. He did his thing. It was a great pitch. Low and away changeup. This is his trademark thing. It's what he wants. Gets a slow ground ball, and it's too slow to handle. Now he's being taken out of the game. So all the runners on base, obviously, Canely's responsibility. So if they come home to score, it'll be tacked on to his ERA and not the ERA of the person coming in. Crap. Can't stand when that happens. I don't know. I got a very bad feeling about this right now. <laughs> I just have a very bad feeling. Uh, God almighty. They didn't even show who's coming in from the bullpen. They just showed Canley walking off the mound and then cut right the commercial. So I'm waiting for the MLB app to update here and tell me who it is that's coming in. Now nah, it's Clay Holmes. All right. So hopefully he can induce a ground ball of some kind. So Ryan McMahon there with that weak infield grounder, getting a hit out of it, and now Crone is coming up. Oh, God. He's 0-3 today, striking out twice, which uh, spells badness for us. <laughs> I don't know, it just it seems like, ah, he's, he's having a bad day, so now in the big situation. Oh, God. Alrighty, so back to what we were saying before. I was about to give you some injury updates. So, first off, Jake Bowers. About a week and a half ago, he ended up having a bruised rotator cuff. So, because of that, they did give him a cortisone shot, but he did land on the injured list. So, Jake Bowers, down now as well. So, if you happen to be living under a rock and you've been wondering where the hell Jake Bowers has been, that's where he's been. He's been hurt. So, who knows when he'll be back. All they're really saying vaguely right now, which is what they've been doing with a lot of injury news, I guess, you know because they don't want to be wrong or giving correct information. I don't know. But they're just saying possibly sometime in August for him. 
probably after a bit of a rehab assignment too, I have to imagine. So, all right, Clay Holmes is in now. Crone just hit one deep to, oh God, oh my God. There's actually no shot that, that just happened. There's actually no shot, actually. I have never <laughs> experienced such frustration. 2021 was rough. Second half of last year, rough. This, I can't stand this team. CJ Crone just hit a go-ahead grand slam. And you know this offense is not coming back. If you're expecting an explosion out of me, you're not going to get one. Because this is the kind of back-breaking crap that anybody watching 2023 Yankee baseball has just come to expect. What did I say when Clay was coming in? Even if it was Clay who has done a terrific job, hadn't even allowed a home run this year, I think. I didn't necessarily expect a grand slam, but what did I say before? I said, I don't have a good feeling about this. Because if you've watched this team for even two minutes, you know how it goes. So now it's 5-3. The Yankees are losing this game. They are losing this game. I don't care about, oh, there's still one more inning to go. I don't care. They are losing this game. Now they just got another hit. They're losing this game. So they're going to lose this series. They're now going to be only six games over 500. They're going to lose the possibility of gaining a game on Houston if they happen to lose to the Angels tonight. They lose, even though I, I've considered them out of the division for months, they lose the ability to gain a game on Tampa now because Tampa lost today. They will be back in last place in the East. All of those runs... Except for the Grand Slam, except for CJ Crone himself who hit the Grand Slam, charged to Tommy Canely. So his ERA was probably just inflated quite nicely just now. Choke job by Clay Holmes and the bullpen. I can only be so mad at them because of how terrific they've been collectively, but they couldn't hold the lead here. The offense. They have a complete inability of scoring more than three runs, except for the rare occasion of a day like yesterday. So they're not scoring in the top of the ninth. I don't care what you say. I'm very confident in saying that they will not score. And they're going to lose yet another series here. So there you go. What, what have I said, guys? Nothing's going to change if Judge is not around especially. And you say, oh, the bullpen gave it up. What does Judge have to do with that? If Judge was around, you don't think there's potential to score more runs? Especially in a hitter-friendly ballpark like that? Where if Judge even makes slight contact, it's probably a home run? Especially off Chase freaking Anderson? I'm not saying you win every single game just because Aaron Judge is around. I just don't like how people deny reality when they say, oh, the team isn't just the one person. Well, look around. They're about to be 15-19 and 19 without him. And people ask me why I think that without him, I think the season's shot. It's just right in front of you guys. It's right in front of you. 
I don't really know what else to say anymore. Home run is completely freaking backbreaking to end a series. Completely backbreaking. Grand slam for CJ. I just, I, there's no shot that actually happened. There's just like actually no shot. <laughs> God almighty. Mother of God above. This team sucks. They're just showing Tommy Canely in the dugout just now. It'd be great if my phone stopped freaking vibrating. Putting you on silent mode. They just showed Tommy Canely in the dugout. Bro looks like he wants to drown himself. Wow. Billy McKinney leading off the inning in the top of the ninth right now as the Yankees get ready to not score and go down completely lifelessly. Pinch hitting for Jose Trevino. Oh, he just got hit by the pitch, it looks like. That's about the only way that Billy McKinney can get on nowadays because we've spoken about how the McKinney magic has ran out last couple of weeks as well. So, hey, listen, they hit by pitch there. Got hit right on the shin. Ow. Ouch. That sucks. I think it got a piece of their catcher, too. So McKinney's heading down the first. So Yankees got the leadoff guy on. Still going to take a lot for me to believe they're going to score at all in this inning. Yeah, McKinney's in pain. That looked like it hurt. We'll get on with the Yankees injury news after this, guys, because this kind of takes precedence in real time with what I'm watching. It's absolute disgrace. Oh, God. Glaber's up now. Top of the lineup. Coming back around. I believe that is Bard on the mound for the Rockies. Yeah, Daniel Bard. First pitch is low and away. Stanton's on deck. So maybe if Stanton comes up to bat, I'll have a little bit of confidence if Glaber gets on too. But otherwise, uh, I don't know. Strike. One and one on Glaber now. Now it's two and one. I don't know. I, I'm just... There are no words anymore, guys. I've just seen enough of games like this. It's just enough. It's enough already. And remember before, too, by the way, when I was talking about how Garrett Cole deserves to get the win in this game more so than just about anybody? Well, he now gets a no decision for this, by the way. Well, Glaber just hit a slow ground ball to third base. He's going to have to make a tough play. Oh, he threw it away again, the third baseman! Glaber's definitely going to be able to go to second on that. Is McKinney going to... He's coming around! Okay, so listen, another Rockies mistake. Gets the Yankees a run, and now Glaber's on second with nobody out. Now it's 5-4. So now something might happen, thanks to another horrible throw down a third base. That's two today now, crucial moments for the Rockies, giving the Yankees a gift run. And again, you take it however you can get it with this offense, because again, Glaber just now another weak ground ball. That's how it goes sometimes. Stanton takes the first pitch outside. Well, it's Stanton now, I'm confident. We'll see if anything can happen. But even if he gets a go-ahead home run, they still got to close it out in the ninth inning. <laughs> uh, God. Pop fly. That's going to make it out of play, thank God. 
So it's one-on-one on Giancarlo now. He just got a nice pitch to hit a hanging slider. He didn't really do much with it. I guess I'll give one more quick injury update in the meantime while this is going on. We'll have some time to kill him between pitches. Real quick right now. It's about to be a 1-1 to Stanton, though. I'm sorry if I'm just interrupting and derailing the show with this, but this is happening in real time. I figured you guys would enjoy my in-real-time reactions. Stanton, it's a fly ball to center. Fairly deep, right in front of the track. Glaber should tag up on this. All right, he's caught, and he is tagging up. All right. So a sack fly ties the game. I imagine the Rockies are going to bring the infield in. So hitting it much of anywhere. Uh, yeah, that was a good pitch to hit. Stanton just missed it. He's not happy. Oh, boy. Yeah, he did move the runner over, though. So it's better than doing absolutely nothing. Oh, Rizzo's up. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, 0 for 4 today. Two flyouts, the line drive to right field, and a strikeout. Against Bard. Let's see what happens. First pitch, low and in, 1 and 0. So, the next injury update I should give on top of Bowers, obviously. Uh, Willie Calhoun, who's been hurt for some time now, since June 21st, so a few weeks. Uh, they're expecting him back possibly in late July from his quads injury. He was a, It was a grade 1-2 to two strain, so he's uh, pretty close to starting a rehab assignment, Boone said today, so he shouldn't be too far off. If the Yankees ever happen to need him as a backup outfielder again or just DHing, he'll be around shortly. After that, you've got Greg Allen, who's been hurt for a few weeks now as well. Rizzo takes up and away. I actually missed the 1-0 pitch, and now it's 3-0. But Greg Allen, obviously, he got hurt all the way back on June 2nd, around the exact same time as Aaron Judge with his hip flexor strain. And on July 9th, he took live at-bats against Nestor Cortez, actually, while Nestor's working his way back as well. And he just began a single-A Rehab assignment on July 14th did Greg Allen, so right at the end of the All-Star break, as was expected. So they expected him to miss six to eight weeks. So I'd say just about in that time window, maybe six or seven, so by the time he'll be back. So sometime at the end of July, before too long, maybe, just whenever his rehab assignment ends. So before too long, Greg Allen should be back as another option as well. And Anthony Rizzo just worked a walk. So now it's runners on the corners. With one out, DJ's up now, and despite him swinging a good bat this weekend, obviously the dark thought looming in the back of my mind is a game-ending double play, which, because I said that, now will probably happen, unfortunately. So if it does happen, I'm sorry, but... <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's first and third with one out. Oswald Peraza's pinch running at first base for Rizzo, and Glaber is down at third base. So it's good to see Peraza back in uniform, and that actually does have to do with what I was just about to say next as far as the latest Yankee injury being Josh Donaldson. So Donaldson, yes, he is injured yet again. This time it's a calf strain, which apparently he's been dealing with a calf problem aside from all of his other bodily ailments that he's been dealing with for most of the season, apparently, according to Aaron Boone and the rest of the Yankees. But it's gotten so bad at this point that when he was running late in the game yesterday, it came to such a point where they took him out of the game, got an MRI, was diagnosed with a strain. It doesn't sound too good for him. And he's landed on the 10-day IL officially, leading to Oswald Peraza, way overdue, finally being recalled. 
So that's why Oswald Peraza, as you just heard, is pinch hitting down at first because he is up for an injured Josh Donaldson. Now I'll go in on my thoughts on the latest Donaldson injury right when we see what happens with DJ here. Peraza stealing. Not even a throw down to second. So now it's second and third. So thankfully, the double play, of course, unless it's like a fly out and then throw him out at home situation, at least a, a ground ball double play is out of the question now. Unless something outrageous happens within the infield, obviously. But Peraza, stealing second base, just took away your tailor-made double play to second or shortstop or even a third. DJ takes up and in. It's 2-0 and now. And they're deciding to intentionally walk him to face Bader? Wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I guess they want to put the do- the double play back in order after Peraza stole. I- Weird. Okay. Especially considering how clutch Bader can be. But, all right, first pitch is a strike. Next one, it's hit out to left. Caught, throw home. It's not going to nearly be in time. So, sack fly for Bader. Throws down to third because Peraza tried to advance to third. He's called safe. I think he's out. I think he's out. The Rockies are pointing to the dugout saying to replay. Because on the throw back in, it was cut off and then thrown to third because Peraza tried to advance a bit too much, I think. Hopefully, either way, Glaber came home to score in time. Because then at that point, it's 5-5, a sack fly for Bader. I don't know. I think Peraza might be out. We haven't seen a replay yet. Let's see right here. They're showing it right right now. So, yeah, it actually wasn't cut off. The catcher got it. Immediately thrown down the third. I don't know. That looked really close from the angle we just saw. That definitely wasn't too smart of Peraza to do. But he did that nice sort of swim move to try to dodge the tag. All right, here's a really slowed down replay here. You can't really see from the angles they're showing where when the glove touched him, but the throw definitely did beat him. So if he's safe, then that's just a, maybe a bad tag or a good move by him with the swim move. But the throw definitely beat him there. So if it touched him even fairly early, he's out by a lot. The call in the field is safe, so they have to have evidence to overturn to be out. So if these replays can't shed light on any definitive evidence, it's going to stay as safe. I don't know. The the angles they showed really were not great, to be honest. I don't know what's going to happen here. Really not sure. Again, hopefully either way, Glaber came home to score. I'm pretty sure, yeah, he definitely did because the throw came home. He crossed the plate and then the throw was thrown down the third. So either way, it's a sack fly for Bader. It's just a matter of whether or not the inning continues. Wow, he's out. Yep, they called him out. They overturned it. Yeah, because I, I I really said from the beginning, I think he's out. Because the throw really did beat him. It was just a matter of whether he dodged it or maybe the third baseman had a bad tag. And Peraza's shaking his head. I don't know. I, I really couldn't tell when the, when the tag was put on there. But I, I'm not going to argue the out call because just from the looks of it, the throw really did beat him. I don't think it was a good idea to advance a third. There's really no reason for it with two outs there. So that's a bad move by Peraza there, to be honest. But, I mean, the most important thing there was for Glaber to come, come home to score, and he did. So, all right, well, the inning could have continued, but now it's 5-5. So I guess I was wrong about, see, win some and you lose some. You're right and wrong about things. I was wrong about the Yankees not scoring. Daniel Bard is a mess, though, in my defense. But 
The Yankees did score. They didn't take the lead, but they retied the game. So we could either win an epic game here and take the series, or the Yankees could break our hearts even more on top of the already back-breaking go-ahead Grand Slam from earlier and now lose via walk-off. Which one is it going to be? We shall see. It's a hell of a rhyme there. Wow. So just some thoughts on Donaldson's injury, obviously. And then after this, I'll give some quick updates. We'll recap the last week and a half really quick, and then that'll be it for today because, again, no social media segment because I'm even starting to feel my voice getting a little bit tired here. So hopefully by the time we talk next week, I'll be at 100% and not limited at all. But anyway, obviously when it comes to Donaldson, we've been over this before because he was hurt for two months prior, but you don't wish injury on any player. But it's just another to add on to the overall thought that I've had since not only my negative thoughts of him from the genesis of the Minnesota trade, might I add, but before this season even, just if you want to talk about 2023 alone, and that being that he's done. I said from the before the season started that I think Josh is done. A lot of people are saying, oh, maybe 2022 is an outlier because he's never been that bad before. While that is true, just seeing the way he was, the writing was on the wall for me. And I want to remind everyone that one of the things I mentioned when this trade was made in the offseason heading into the 2022 season was that I expressed concerns that an aging Donaldson could decline, first off, but I also mentioned that he had had injury troubles in the past, which he did, as have countless of Cashman's other pickups the last few years, as we've known, with the vast majority of them continuing with said struggles even now. So Donaldson is not exclusive in this category. And I'm not into kicking someone when they're down, guys. Don't misunderstand me, all right? I'm not into that. But this is just more towards the people who got off on calling me negative or a fake fan or got personal and called me stupid or worse at the time, which has happened to me so many times with so many different things. I am mostly and should be numb to it at this point in time, but I can't help but just really reminding those people that I'm right when it arises because they're so over-the-top obnoxious when there's valid reason for me to be feeling the way that I'm feeling. So it's more towards those people when I say this, but guys, yet again here, I mean, who's the stupid one now? Donaldson's injuries may not have come into play last year. His bat more than took care of my concerns for that in 2022. But this year... I mean, look what's going on. After missing two months earlier on, he now lands on the injured list with a calf injury for God knows how long. After he's apparently been having calf problems for some time now, it's just gotten to some such a point where he couldn't play with them anymore. After having played pitifully yet again at the plate, with the exception of the occasional home run. I mean, I keep hearing from a couple of people here and there also saying, but Mike, he's actually made some solid contact here and there. And even though his stats are horrible, 10 of his 15 hits are home runs. And that would be on pace for about 50 if it were for a whole year. Well, let's ignore the only 15 hits part because, well, need we even address the ridiculousness of that? (laughs) The pacing thing. When it comes to, oh, it would be 50 over the course of a whole year. Well, that's assuming Donaldson can make it through a whole year which he's proven that he can't, at least as of this year, and for many years in the past when he's had injury problems. And that he can sustain that pace of mostly unimportant home runs, which they have been so far. Guys, 
Stop with the irrational defending. I respect defending and positivity, especially when it's warranted. But guys, in this case, you're being silly. Let it go. Stop being a supporter of mediocrity, or even in this case, far less than it. No one blames you for wanting him to succeed if you're a Donaldson supporter or defender. No one blames you for wanting him to succeed. Hell, I wanted him to. I want every Yankee to succeed. What do I always say like a broken freaking record every week? And those who listen every week probably are tired of hearing me say this. Mike, shut the hell up already. But what do I always say? The player's success is the team's success. I'm a fan of the Yankees, a diehard one at that, and I want them to win, always. So that means I would want every player to succeed and be a piece of the puzzle in making that happen, always. But for some like me, it was apparent to me from the beginning, even from the genesis of the trade, I just had a feeling it wasn't going to work out. And you can listen back to those episodes and look at my tweets that I have bookmarked from that point in time. I could send them to you if you don't believe me. And it backs it up. I had my concerns. And then especially after witnessing last year coming into this year, for the people who were confident coming into this year, I had even more concerns at this point. And look what's happened. I saw the writing on the wall. I did. It was apparent to me from the beginning that it wasn't going to work out. And any reasonable person at this point in time, especially after this injury, the calf injury at this point, here in mid-July, any reasonable person should consider this to be the end for him on the Yankees. And quite possibly, because retirement has even been floated around a bit, his career. He's just not good anymore. Every statistic you could pull up on any page supports that. And if the Yankees don't consider it, well, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't, knowing how they think and run things. But if they don't, then shame on them for not being able to surrender to reason and what's right in front of them. Guys, 106 at-bats. Yeah, it's about a sixth of the season, give or take, worth of at-bats but it's still 106 at-bats. Not nothing. It's not like 40 or 50. It's 100, over 100 at-bats sample size now after the rest of the time has been spent hurt, which doesn't help him at all. People use the hurt excuses if that's supposed to help him or back up his case or anything like that. 106 at-bats, 15 hits, amounting to a 142 batting average. He has a 225 on base percentage. Just doesn't get on base. 36 strikeouts in that time. And as far as slugging, because of the home runs, it's helped along a bit with 434. OPS 659. OPS plus 78 with WRC plus floating around more or less the same thing. And if you want to look at his overall time on the Yankees over the course of a 165-game sample size now. He has amounted a 207 average with a 293 on-base percentage, 
385 slugging, 678 OPS, a 92 OPS plus. Below average in most stats. 25 home runs, 77 RBIs, 10 home runs and 15 RBIs this year, which is absolutely crazy. A 10, 10 home run and 15 RBI ratio is just so bizarre. And hitting occasional home runs, most of them being unimportant, is just not enough, not nearly enough, to back this up, to defend anymore. You just gotta listen to reason. It's been over, guys. Enough is enough. He'll probably come back at some point, and the Yankees will want to get him in there, but it's going to be to the detriment of the team. The guy doesn't belong here anymore. It's over. I don't root for injury, but this injury does open up other possibilities now. And it gets a guy who doesn't belong in this lineup anymore out of the lineup. I will commend him for the defense he played here, but it was not enough to defend his overall presence, and it was not all the Yankees were hoping for. They did not make this trade and commit as much money as they did to Josh Donaldson for just a good glove. And if you think they did, then you are lying to yourself, especially factually considering that prior to 2022, he had nowhere near declined as much as he did last year offensively in his career. It was actually still pretty respectable. I still had my concerns, though, and unfortunately, I have been right about him since day one. As much as I wish I wasn't. You just see things ahead of time sometimes as a baseball fan and you're watching long enough. And I'm not always right, not nearly. But that's the way that it goes. So Josh Donaldson to the injured list. Not a lot of optimism as to when he could come back. Nobody really knows. He just got an MRI yesterday. This is very recent. He only was just taken out of last night's game. So we'll see what happens with him. But that's the latest injury when it comes to the Yankees. And that's my overall thoughts on him. So he's out for a while now. Peraz is up for him, and that's the deal. As far as other injuries surrounding the team, obviously you have Aaron Judge. He has actually taken batting practice very recently. He took batting practice on the field prior to the game on Friday. It's the first time he was seen doing batting practice he was actually set to have hit the course field sign over the fence, not even swinging at full strength. So you hear that, and that's got to be a positive, right? So it was the first time he took batting practice on the field since the injury. And he's also done light outfielding drills, played catch, and did some light running. And he took BP again yesterday. And he said he didn't feel limited at all when he was doing it. And even though the toe isn't fully healed yet, and the recovery's going well. Everybody's saying it's on the pace that it's supposed to be going. Still no timetable is given out. So they're still being vague on when he could return. Saying that it could just be, hopefully, in the beginning, mid-August. It better not be much longer than that. Obviously, what I said will come into play. Where it's just not going to be anything good for this organization. And uh, we'll see what happens with him. But they seem to be encouraged with the track that he's on so far. So we'll see. Just watch the top of the 10th. Yankees had the ghost runner, of course. Nothing came of it. They did not score, so now they have to pitch the bottom of the 10th. And the Rockies will have their ghost runner. I'll be shocked if they don't win. I didn't even really eye the top of the 10th because I was just in the middle of talking. But, yeah, so IKF hit a ground ball back to the pitcher. Bader was thrown out at third, apparently, and then just now Volpe grounded into a double play. Typical Yankee offense. I mean, they have scored five runs today, and yeah, the bullpen kind of choked it up, but 
I'm just frustrated. <laughs> I'm just frustrated. So I'd be shocked if the Yankees win this game. I'd be absolutely and utterly shocked if they win this game. That's that's my point, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Continuing on with the injuries beyond the Aaron Judge update, which is good to hear about, but obviously he cannot come back soon enough. There's no doubt about that. When it comes to others, like Jonathan Lewiska, he's still on track for August or September. On July 9th, he threw about 10 pitches on a Yankee bullpen mound, so he's starting up his throwing program. Frankie Montas still possibly the second half, possibly out the entire year. They're not really sure. Nestor Cortez, he's still looking at a start of August comeback. They said recently that he's done multiple live throwing sessions, including the one that I just said before when he faced Greg Allen. And they're expecting him to throw to live hitters again when the Yankees go to Anaheim for the next series against the Angels. And then he'll begin a rehab assignment probably right after that. So, after his rehab assignment, he could very well be back in the rotation by the first few days of August, maybe. So, we'll see what Nestor's got left in the tank after all the time he's missed since he was placed on the injured list all the way back on the 8th of June, retroactive to the 5th, when he was having a lot of soreness in his shoulder. So, hopefully his rehab continues to go okay and he'll be back in the next couple of weeks, another addition to the pitching, and hopefully by the time he comes back and the trade deadline is passed, we will get even more moves in other aspects of the team. Obviously, the situation with Ryan Weber, he's still very much TBD. So, Luis Heal is expected back at some point in the second half as well. And his recovery has been going on since the very beginning of May. And then he resumed throwing in mid-May, and he just continues to work his way back so he could be another potential option. And obviously, two other names that are going to be out, obviously, until at least next year are Lou Trevino and Scott F. Ross for the bullpen because of their Tommy John surgeries. So that is your grand old Yankees injury update on the whole in general because it's been a while since we spoke about it. So, while I watch the Yankees likely lose here in the bottom of the 10th with the Rockies having their ghost runner, why don't we fire up the Yapping Yankees time machine and recap the games that have happened since we last spoke. Yapping Yankees time machine, let's do it. Well, against all odds, Ian Hamilton who pitched the bottom of the 10th, managed to get out of that inning also without allowing the Rockies to score, as the Rockies did to the Yankees in the top half of the 10th. So now it's the top of the 11th. We've somehow made it this far, and the Yankees get another chance at scoring that ghost runner. Oswaldo Cabrera is up at bat right now, and I'm pretty sure the ghost runner should be Volpe because he hit into the double play to end the top of the 10th. So now Oswaldo has a 2-0 count. So Oswaldo Cabrera up at the plate, runner in scoring position, obviously top of the 11th in this, I think it's safe to say beyond roller coaster, <laughs> final game in Colorado, which should not be at this point because the Yankees had a comfortable win secured with Tommy Canely on the mound with the bases loaded in two outs, and if they would have just gotten out of the inning, they could have coasted to a 3-1 to victory, Garrett Cole getting his deserved win, which has now since turned into a no decision, and the game being 5-5 to in extra innings unnecessarily. Because of Clay Holmes giving up his only home run this year, I'm pretty sure it is, I'll double-check that, which then led to the Yankees scoring two runs to come back in the top of the ninth, which I did not expect at all, and now we're in extra innings since both teams have now decided not to score. <laughs> Uh, so now it's 3-2 and two on Oswaldo, 
Just took a 3-1 pitch for a strike. So I'm going to get that stat up for you right now. I want to see if that was the first home run given up by Clay. Curious. Let me see here. Oh, wait, before I do that, Volpe's stealing it. No, it's Waldo got a base hit. Volpe's coming home to score. It's 6-5 Yankees. Holy crap, man. Holy crap. Frank Barone, where are you? Holy crap. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, so it's 6-5 Yankees now. Now Higgy, because he had to come into the game after Billy McKinney had pinch hit for Trevino, is up now with Oswaldo at first with nobody out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh my God, what a game. All right. So now, while this is going on, again, the Yankees have regained the lead, and I was able to confirm, by the way, that that was the first home run Clay gave up this year, which is absolutely crazy to think about. That's wild. <laughs> God. So, recapping what we have missed since we last spoke all the way back on July 2nd. Can you believe how much time has passed already? God. That's what time does, guys. So... After their rough gameplay in St. Louis, the Yankees returned home to face the Orioles. Now, this series was especially frustrating because the series started off with the Yankees having a pretty nice victory. Didn't start out so hot because Herman started the game, threw four and a third, nine hits he gave up, <laughs> a lot of hits, three runs, two of them earned, and just five strikeouts. But then the bullpen was able to lock it down after that. And after those three runs given up, could have been a worse start, could have been a better start, definitely, but the offense was just completely dead yet again, not driving home any runs until the fifth inning, until they were finally able to get on the board on a Volpe solo shot and then a Higgy solo shot. And then about in the bottom of the seventh, they were able to tie it up on a wild pitch by Cano. So then it was 3-3, three to three, so the offense crept on back. And then Harrison Bader... And just before this at-bat, I was talking to my mom's boyfriend about how clutch Bader always usually is. A great deal of the time. Obviously not every time. He can't come through every time. But a great deal of the time in a big moment, he will do what he's got to do. And in this moment, he more than did that in an epic way with a big three-run go-ahead home run to left field. A towering shot to put the Yankees ahead 6-3. to three. The bullpen would obviously do its job in the ninth inning with Clay Holmes earning his 10th save. And the Yankees were able to open up the series against Baltimore in a big way. And they would continue that into the next night on Tuesday when they managed to grab an 8-4 to win. Clark started this game, gave five innings of work, and would earn his fourth win on the season. Five hits, three runs, seven strikeouts. And the bullpen again held it down afterwards with the exception of Abreu allowing an unearned run all the way in the ninth inning. But... The Yankee offense again did its thing. Six runs a night prior, even though it took them until the fifth to get going, and then eight runs in this game on a two-run shot in the bottom of the first by Glaber Torres, off of a sacrifice fly by IKF in the bottom of the fourth, and then top of the fifth, Aaron Hicks, just to stick it to everybody, just had to hit a home run at some point. I knew something was going to happen in his time when he was in New York. Yeah, to know something was going to happen eventually. And then Adam Frazier hit a two-run shot to tie the game at three, so... After the fifth inning, it was all tied up, but then in the bottom of the fifth, this is what allowed Clark Schmidt to get a win and not just a no, a no decision because right after he surrendered the tie, Giancarlo Stanton put them ahead right away with an RBI single, made it 4-3. to three. Bottom of the seventh, Trevino solo shot, made it 5-3. Harrison Bader again after what he did the night prior. He wasn't done yet. Two-run double to make it 7-3 in another clutch moment. And then Anthony Rizzo, 
doing something very rare positively here, on a ground out, drove home IKF to make it 8-3, and obviously the Yankees would end up winning 8-4 on the 4th of July. So an epic win on the 4th. The Orioles coming back did not get them discouraged at all. Schmidt got the win, and they were able to go into the third game of the series having won both in the four-game set. So now you're saying if they win at least three out of four, which is doable, they should win at least one of the next two, then the Yankees will be looking really good. They make some progress in the standings. They do what they got to do, and they take care of business against a solid Orioles team above them that they have not been able to gain ground on very often so far. Did that happen? Of course it didn't. Why would it? And I guess it's pretty appropriate that I start to take a negative stance now based off what happened next in the Yankees-Orioles series because right now, just when the Yankees were up 7-5 to in the bottom of the 11th inning, the Rockies retied at 7. <laughs> this sucks, man! Nick Ramirez coming in, allowing an immediate two-run homer. Now it's another deep fly ball out to right. This one could get out. Oswaldo, right in front of the wall, makes the catch. One out. Seven to seven. Can you freaking believe this crap? Unfreaking believable. Nick Ramirez, who has actually done a very nice job out of the bullpen, before he could even blink in the bottom of the 11th. The offense gets two runs, and then Nick Ramirez allows a two-run shot the other way to left center field. I guess the bullpen is just having a night where they just don't really, or a day, rather, where they just really don't feel like doing the job. Hard to get on them because of how terrific they've been, but they just are not getting it done. Not getting it done. Anytime the offense helps them out, which is rare enough in itself, they can't seem to show appreciation and just do their job. And he gave it up to a left-handed hitter, no less. Very interesting. Gave it up to Nolan Jones, left-handed hitter. Ramirez is especially good against lefties. Now is his first home run allowed this season as well. So a lot of firsts in moments where the Yankees could not afford them. Had a nice top of the 10th, Oswaldo Cabrera, or top of the 11th, rather, Oswaldo. Go ahead, hit. Oswald Peraza coming through with the hit after that, making it 7-5, to and then now it's 7-7. to Unfreaking believable. So on the subject of negativity, Yankees come out the next day on Wednesday, hoping to at least secure the series against the Orioles. I mean, such a positive start in the first two games. Especially after Randy Vasquez came out, five-inning shutout baseball, called back up and having another very nice start for himself. Three hits, no runs, three walks, one strikeout. Did pretty well on the whole. Well, and this is another instance here where uh, where Nick Ramirez came in and just did not get the job done. The Yankees had jumped out to a 2 nothing lead originally on a Josh Donaldson solo home run and then an RBI single by Kyle Higashioka, who got thrown out at second. Trying to stretch into a double. So they were up, and then Nick Ramirez making a mess of things. When it was all said and done, the Orioles had a 4-2 lead. Volpe brought them within one run on a solo shot. His 12th home run of the year, so it made it 4-3. And then after that, in the top of the ninth inning, when Mr. Hamilton, Ian Hamilton, was in, he gave up a two-run shot to Ryan O'Hearn. And that basically buried any chance because the Yankee offense was mainly quiet, only scoring three that night, and really not showing any signs of life after the Orioles scored their four in the top of the sixth. And it was a whole mess because I believe this is the game when one of their cameramen got hit in the head too. The Yankees cameramen on their their camera crew was just a mess of a game. Horrible. They lost 6-3, and then Thursday was over before it could even begin. 
Yankees only scored one run. It was all the way in the bottom of the ninth when they were down 14 to nothing. And Luis Severino started this game and again just made a complete mess of things. And it was an absolute train wreck yet again. He's becoming a real freaking problem. Two and two-thirds, ten hits, seven runs, one walk, and three strikeouts. Albert Abreu came in and in just two-thirds of an inning allowed six runs himself. Just an absolute train wreck Thursday. And after what started off as such a positive series, to split after that was so underwhelming and so disappointing, especially considering what a disgrace the series to follow was against the Cubs. First night, losing 3 nothing on Rodon's debut, which I was very excited about. He only gave up three runs in five and a third, only four hits, striking out two, walking just two. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a great start, but it wasn't a bad start by any means. Five and a third, two runs in your first start throughout the entire year after missing multiple months. I mean, I'll take that any day. The offense should be able to withstand that. And then Ron Marinaccio had to add on an extra run because he comes in and just has decided in 2023 that he's not going to throw strikes. That's fine, I guess. But the Yankee offense, with an absolute disgraceful effort against former Yankee Jameson Tyone, who's now a Cub, of course, and came into Yankee Stadium with an ERA over seven. Seven. Having a horrible year. And he threw eight shutout innings of one-hit ball. What else can you say? (laughs) Absolute disgrace. Saturday, the Yankees managed to come back with a nice win. On the mound starting for them on Saturday, excuse me, was Mr. Cole. And he had himself a very nice start. Just gave up a a two-run shot ultimately at the very end of his start in the eighth inning. But other than that, he had just given up one run in the third. So his final line was seven and a third, five hits, three runs, one walk, and five strikeouts. Got his ninth win of the year. Should have gotten his tenth today, as I was saying before, but whatever. Michael King closed it out, pitching the final inning in two-thirds. And offensively, Giancarlo Stanton, this was the first signs really of him really starting to heat up. Solo shot in the bottom of the first. Donaldson hit another home run in the bottom of the second. Another one of his just occasional home runs. Solo shot made it 2 nothing, and then when they were up 2-1, to one, Harrison Bader hit a two-run double, made it 4-1. to one. Stanton, another home run right down the right field line off the foul pole, made it 6-1, a two-run shot, and the Yankees' final would be 6-3, they would win. And then on Sunday, they would disgracefully lose 7-4. It was 1-1 one one after five innings, and I thought the Yankees were definitely going to secure this win after they jumped out with three runs in the bottom of the sixth, when they scored three on a two-run shot by Volpe and a solo shot by Higashioka right after that, it was 4-1, to one, and Herman was pitching a nice game. I just, I, I thought that it was going to be totally fine, but it wasn't because Boone thought it a good idea to pull Herman, as I mentioned before, at 74 pitches, having only allowed one hit, just because he had walked the leadoff batter in the seventh, and after that, it had all come crashing down because Ian Hamilton... He allowed two runs. Both of them were unearned, though, in his defense, because in the top of the seventh, Glaber Torres booted what should have easily been a double play ball to end the inning, but it wasn't. And that spiraled out of control and ultimately saw the Cubs tying the game back up at four. So pulling Herman early, Glaber Torres again making a completely nonsensical error based on lack of focus and just 
His just head is not in the game, and that was when Boone said after the game he hasn't made an outlandish amount of errors, which again was false. So, all of that coming apart, and then after all that happened, Ron Marinaccio came in and, again, just decided he was not going to throw any strikes and made a complete mess of things. Cubs jumped out in front again in the eighth inning, added on one more in the ninth, and won 7-4 to end what was really... A bad first half for the Yankees. They may have finished seven games over 500, but you know that it's not a good seven games over if you've watched even a minute of this Yankee team. Just really, it was really indicative of how the first half went on the whole. It was a very appropriate ending, honestly. And this weekend in Colorado has been pretty underwhelming. I mean, yes, they scored the six runs yesterday, mainly thanks to Stanton. Four of them came from him, and the only two on Friday, and Friday's dead 7-2 loss, those came from Stanton as well. So without him, you know, the Yankees managed to break out again today, even though they shouldn't have had to. They should have comfortably won 3-1 to one and had Cole see his 10th win and all that good stuff, but very underwhelming in Colorado. And now I'm very nervous because even if there's nobody on base, in the bottom of the 11th, Ron Marinaccio's in now, and he's been an absolute train wreck at throwing strikes and therefore leading to disaster. So, not confident about this right here, so we'll see what happens if they can get this game to the 12th inning, maybe add on a bit more, and maybe somehow pull this game out and win a series that they have to win. So we'll see. Oh my goodness. So I'll, I'll just watch this at bat, I guess. It's 2-0 and already because I think Marinaccio had a pitch clock violation too, so <laughs> there's that. So it's 2-0, and just threw another ball, we'll see. Uh, so it's 2-0 and already, Marinaccio already, not throwing strikes, <laughs> it's just what he's made a habit of doing. 2-0, no, 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 there's... Walk-off home run for the Rockies. <laughs> uh, Yankees lose. And will also be receiving my medical bill in the mail later today. They lose two out of three. Again, in a game, they are winning three to one in the eighth inning. Clay Holmes gives up a grand slam after Tommy Canely loaded the bases with two outs. Yankees jumped back out in front, or they tied the game rather at five and then jumped back out in front in extras. Nick Ramirez immediately allows a game-tying two-run homer before he could even blink in the bottom of the 11th. Ron Marinaccio, who continues to be absolutely terrible in 2023, then gives up a walk-off solo shot to the only freaking hitter he faced. You can't make this up. This is the 2023 New York Yankees, folks, and it's only appropriate that we end the episode today on this note because it circles back to the original title of the episode. Even though, yes, today was more so on the bullpen, the offense kept fighting back and did what they had to do. It happens sometimes. It's tough to be mad at the bullpen because of how stellar they've been, but today is on them. 
And you know what? I'm not even going to totally exonerate the Yankee offense, too. Thinking back to the first half of the game, they didn't even score a single freaking run off of the National League's quite possibly worst pitcher. So you know what? I'm not exonerating the Yankee offense either, now that I think about it. Ultimately, this may have been on the bullpen, but you could find blame for just about everybody here, now that you think about it, really from start to finish. But it overall circles back to the overall dysfunction of this team, asking... Will anything change in the second half? As of right now, with Judge still out and all the problems that still exist, I think we all know the answer to that, especially if Judge is not back at least by mid-August. That is what I've said from the start of the episode. It's what I've been saying for weeks now, and it is what I will end the episode still saying, especially after a disgraceful loss like the one that we just witnessed, just yet another to add on to the long list of inexcusable Yankee losses in 2023. This is one of the worst Yankee teams I have had the displeasure of watching in my time watching them. Like I said, 2021 was rough. Last year, the first half was good, but ever since the second half of last year, this Yankee team has been a disgrace. Especially considering how the front office talks them up and how they deny reality and how much money they spent on this team and all the excuses that continue to pile up, all the false things that they continue to say and spew to the public. The frustration only builds after a day like today, my friends. The Yankees lose 8-7 to in today's Sunday rubber game matchup in Colorado in absolutely disgraceful fashion. And this coming week, when the Yankees play three in L.A. against the Angels tomorrow, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Tomorrow and Tuesday's game being at 9.38 p.m. Eastern and Wednesday's being at 7.07 p.m. Eastern. And then on Friday, even against a team as disgraceful as the Royals, back in the Bronx, Friday's game being at 7.05, Saturday at 1.05, and next Sunday when we speak again being at 1.35. I don't care the teams they're playing, if they're under 500 or what. After you witness a series like this, even against a team as disgraceful as the Rockies in Coors Field, doesn't matter who the Yankees verse. Your confidence is probably going to be below the ground right now, as it deserves to be, because this team has not given us any reason to feel otherwise. 15-19 and 19 now with Aaron Judge, as they continue to find more ways to lose Obviously, it's mainly thanks to the offense, but especially even on a day like today where they desperately need a win and should have comfortably had it at the end, they still find a way to deliver an absolutely back-breaking and earth-shattering loss to a disgraceful Colorado Rockies team. And that, guys, is just about all I have for today. I'm glad I didn't do a social media segment today because I really don't even feel like talking anymore. I'm, I'm not surprised... Because you can't be surprised if you've been watching this team anymore. But I'm just disgusted. I'm completely disgusted as I find myself being more days than not with this 2023 Yankees ball club. I just don't know what to say anymore. That is all for episode 188 of Yapping Yankees today, my friends. If you do not follow me on social media already, well then what are you doing? Follow me on all socials. Facebook fan pages, Mike Scudero NY. Twitter is at Mike Scudero, and Instagram is MikeScuds97. 
Be sure to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it's available on, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love across all four of them like you all always do such a great job at doing. And if you missed any Yapping Yankees episodes, episodes 34 up to episode 188 today are available on YouTube, and every single episode going all the way back to episode one four years ago, more than four years ago, all the way up to today's episode are available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud, my good people. But once again, despite this disgraceful Yankees team, I thank you 3,000 nonetheless for listening to me yap today. As always, my friends, I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, July 23rd, when I come at you with episode 189 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, guys, you know the deal, especially with these first two in light of today. Hang in there. Be patient somehow. Stay safe. Look out for your loved ones. Go ahead and kick life's ass this week, despite this disgraceful Yankee team tempting you to do otherwise. And uh, I guess just somehow keep the faith. I don't know. I hope, despite me not being 100%, that I managed to bring some joy to your day, despite the Yankees bringing you the absolute opposite, ultimately. And uh, still managed to go over two hours, even not having a social media segment. What can I tell you? Between reacting to the game in live time and having a lot to say after missing last week, I guess it's only appropriate. But I'll be back next week with not only another social media segment, but another episode. Hopefully something, anything better to say than today gave us, obviously. We'll see what happens this coming week. Until next Sunday, guys, I'll talk to you then. Take care, and let's go Yanks. (laughs) 